Hello everyone, I'm Samantha Jane Smith. And I'm Jacob Keynes, and you are listening to the Classical Queer Podcast. As part of our live on-site at the Unison Festival, uh, we're going to listen to a bit of the Tone Cluster choir rehearsal, their warm-up. So this group is from Ottawa, and they've flown to Halifax, and they haven't seen each other uh, in this new city, and this is their warm-up before their show at the the choir festival. The choir festival has the festival choirs, uh, the three uh, high mixed and low voice choirs, uh, but they also have dozens of other choirs that have come from across Canada to come do little mini shows of their own. And so Tone Cluster is going to do a half hour concert uh, a little later in the week, and this is their rehearsal. Thank you. 
section, and we went back to singing all in unison. We were just breaking a little bit. Now, this sorry, is, what word do they? I don't know what pages are. When we're all near the end, when we're back to singing in unison, we can see stuff, they can catch us, except for a few people are still doing Um, I'm not super worried about it, just a little bit of an FYI. Is there a particular section that is still scary to you? I. You?
measure 79.
we feeling? So we just heard some of the Tone Cluster Choir rehearsal. 
And now we're going to speak with uh, their conductor, Deirdre Kellerman, uh, who is an old friend of mine. Uh, we worked together uh, in Ottawa many years ago. Uh, and actually, Deirdre is also from Nova Scotia, where I currently am, and uh, happens to be one of the conductors for uh, the festival choir. So Deirdre is going to conduct the SSAA choir that we're going to hear from later. Uh, but this is our chat. This is our moment to reconnect, and it's a wonderful moment uh, because I haven't seen Deirdre in, in person in probably seven or eight years, um, and a lot of change, a lot has changed in both of our lives, and we get this moment to uh, chat and catch up. And so this is my chat with Deirdre Kellerman uh, in Halifax at the Unison Song Festival 2023. First thing we always uh, kind of start with is uh, give us a brief primer on who you are, what you do, um, and I, I tend to say it can be like as music-y, academic-y as you like, or completely uh, not related to those things at all. But uh, welcome, dear to Kellerman. Thank you. Yeah, I, um, I am a conductor, singer, music educator, all of the puzzle pieces that go into being a musician, um, and have found a bit of a, a niche, a bit of a home within the intersections of music and queer identity and queer politics um, and exploring what it means to go beyond quote unquote safe spaces and community and, and go a little bit past those words, those terms and actually try to build it. And so I should say we are chatting mm -hmm. at uh, the Unison Choral Festival, mm -hmm. uh, which is a festival here in Canada, uh, and I think it only happens once every four years, is yep. that right? Mm -hmm. um, so it just happened to happen to skirt COVID, <laughs> like just timeline-wise, I suppose. Um, but it's a festival for queer choirs and uh, from across Canada to come. Um, and so we are uh, in a, I guess this is a conference room, I suppose. Yep. Uh, amidst uh, about a thousand other queer singers who have joined us. So uh, certainly uh, your home base. And you're here with your uh, choir, Tone Cluster. With Tone Cluster, yeah, based out of Ottawa, which is so cool to have them here in Halifax and um, as my hometown and um, and being surrounded by by other queer singers. Like the the energy is just mind-boggling to everyone knowing that they're in community. They look around and they don't know each other's names yet, but they're like, yep, this is home. This is great. Yeah. And you're also, so you're here with Tone Cluster mm -hmm. and you're here, you're connecting one of the festival choirs. I am. So we have um, three kind of mass choirs. We have an SATB, we have an upper voice SSAA and a lower voice TTBB. I'm conducting the upper voice. Um, that's kind of another part of my choir world is working with treble voices and upper voices. Um, and those are um, unique. They, they are optional for the singers here, but we've got a lot of people signed up for them and they get to sing a variety of rep. But what's really special is that there are um, three brand new commissioned pieces uh, that we get to premiere on Monday um, that are all about the purge um, and um, talking about what happened um, 40 years ago and how the, the government treated queer people um, 
losing their their positions and and benefits and and the sweep that happened and um so that's a really powerful thing for me to be involved in that and and get to premiere one of these pieces that for a lot of queer people here it's introducing them to this concept for the first mm-hmm. time this this history lesson and the Maybe before we talk about the piece, mm. whose who's piece are you premiering? So I get to premiere a piece by Leslie Arden, um, who primarily works in the musical theater world. So it's really, really cool to, to be introducing a choral piece through a bit of a musical theater lens. It's yeah. very dramatic. There's all that, like goosebumpy kind of swells of emotion and music and it's really well done great yeah and so uh the content or the the conversation is from uh all three are based on the purge or is it they are yeah okay and so i mean it's it's a funny thing we uh, you and i are roughly the same age um but there is this like loss of history that happens and there is i mean for very obvious reasons and there's there's a lot to that, but it's important to do these pieces that are based on larger spanning conversations than the here and now, mm-hmm. which is also important. Um, but I, I mean, maybe it's the like historian of me, but like, we arrive at places because we've come through a history, uh, and so it is important to have uh, a through line of, of these things. And certainly, I mean, I was just in your rehearsal for Tone Cluster, there is a, an age range. It's a very intergenerational choir, Um, and it means that we really do need to to make sure we're touching on these historical events um, because it helps us engage more respectfully with each other. You know, there's lots of people in the choir who lived through the AIDS crisis. They had friends and partners who died of AIDS in the 80s and 90s, and um, to the singers who are, you know, in their early 20s, mm. um, the things that are important to them, things like trans rights, non-binary rights, two-spirit rights, um, gender expression, like that is such a a big piece of their exploration and identity. And the AIDS crisis or the purge, they're things that feel... I think almost like it was in a movie, like something yeah. that, that happened. And, um, but exploring this through music and I, I find it really important to give space to singers, um, to talk about why it's important to them. And it just brings so much more meaning and clarity to everyone in the room. Um, and then on the flip side, also making sure that we are acknowledging, um, the really awful things that are are happening within and 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 towards the queer community right now. Um, so there there is that kind of constant balance. Um, and in the end, we're all singing and talking about the same thing, really, which is which is human rights. Um, but yeah, it's really um really interesting to be approaching kind of this historical events but not so long ago there's people especially in Ottawa choir you know it's it's a very government focused town a lot of people in Tone Cluster are public servants or we're public servants and we're directly affected by this so yeah 
Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a really good point. I wouldn't have necessarily thought about that kind of Ottawa civil servant act, but that's very, very true. What, I mean, as somebody who works and has worked for now a number of years in kind of queer exclusive spaces, mm-hmm. what is what is your feeling on, and you said like movie on safe spaces, talk to me a bit about that. Like, what does that actually mean on the ground mm-hmm. for you? I read, um, I read once a great paper about the difference between safe spaces and brave spaces Mm. and that really resonated for me. Um, and that's what I kind of go forward doing. Um, and when you're talking about, um, creating community, creating community spaces, um, it, it always is going to have conflict Mm -hmm. when you add the intergenerational component, there's going to be even more of that. Um, when you are exploring things through an art medium, um, when there's people there who have sentimental attachment to certain pieces, certain styles, um, you know, I, in this year alone, I think that there has been a piece cut from every single program due to conversations that we've had about Mm -hmm. how, um, it either has affected a group within the choir um, that I didn't think about when programming it or something happened in the world. You know, we did a did a winter holiday concert where I had a Tchaikovsky piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was around the time that the Ukrainian Minister of Culture came out and asked the West not to be programming Russian composers and um but with Tchaikovsky being a gay composer, like that was a really difficult thing for us to do to decide to pull it from the program. And so we've had to have really challenging conversations. Um, and it requires a lot of, a lot of bravery, a lot of, um, patience, um, a lot of active listening. Um, and that can be really hard when, you are only together in the same room for two hours, two and a half hours a week. Um, and you also have your deadlines that you need to meet of concerts. And, and so balancing that, you know, excellence of singing, that artistry excellence with um, doing the very hard work that it takes to um learn to engage with each other authentically, which means some really hard conversations. Um, and then, you know, throw in grant writing and booking venues and all that kind of fun stuff too. So, um, it's, I think it's very different, um, than a quote unquote regular chamber choir who gets together and they sing their pieces and, um, if they're lucky, they'll get to discuss the text a little bit or some context. It's a, it's a, a lot more than that. There's a lot more steps to it. A lot more steps, but I always, I mean, if you're preaching literally to the choir. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, it's, it's so funny. I, I, my sentiment is always that these conversations are really difficult often and they're time consuming and they often, uh, 
require you to be much more fluid than you maybe initially want to be, as in, like, I've programmed this piece because I believe in this piece and yeah. I want to do it, and then I have to let it go and I have to be okay with letting it go. Yeah. But it always feels to me, and this is, I, I'm, I'm a biased view, but, like, we get to engage with music on a completely different level. Absolutely. By doing this. And it is difficult. It's really hard. But what comes of it is like a really different understanding of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And that really, for me, translates into the music. And I'm sure I'm not to put words in your mouth, but I'm assuming it does for you too. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that a lot of choristers have to kind of get used to with me when they first uh, start working with me is I, I don't buy into the concept of perfection. Mm. Um, I will very frequently, um, tell singers to ignore the dynamic markings on the page, um, to sing how the music makes them feel, how the text makes them feel. And then lo and behold, (laughs) it's the dynamics that are on the page. Um, and it's such a, you know, a lot of, especially the older generations of older generation of singers in tone cluster who, um, have spent their life in kind of a more old school approach to music making, to choirs, where it's very detail focused. It's 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 based on the authenticity of the composer mm-hmm. um, singing, you know, classical masterworks, and what did Bach mean by this particular um, chord progression and and this accidental here and um, and that's all well and good, um, but to me, what what I feel called to do what I want to spend my time doing and making music is making music where the, the musicians are moved by it. The audience is moved by it. Um, do I care about, you know, cutoffs and singing the right notes and rhythms? Absolutely. But it, um, I, I quickly tried to get beyond that. Uh, and I, I think it just, the vocal quality that comes out of people who know what they're singing about and they care what they're singing about. It's just, it's stunning really. Like it's just, it's so human. So how do you choose your repertoire knowing that, um, that there is so much consideration for, uh, context text, uh, singability, connection. What's your what's your what's your thread for that? <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I use thematic programming a lot. Mm. Um, I I got that from some fabulous people that I I grew up working with, worked with as a young adult, um, and that was such a a, a big piece of becoming a choral artist to me was not just sing a piece, the audience claps, sing a piece, the audience claps, but having that not even theme, but emotion throughout so that there is a journey for everyone, that there is a starting point and an ending point. Um, And (laughs) it, it's so fun. It is also really challenging because like you said before, you have to be prepared to give things up. Mm. Um, and it's very easy for the conductor choir 
relationships um, for a conductor to be in a role of a bit of a dictator, um, just by nature of all the different things you have to think about when programming. Um, but I, I feel it's really important to leave space for people to share their feedback beyond more than I like this piece. I didn't like this piece, but, um, this is a piece that was an earworm that tells me a lot. Um, this was a piece that I was having a really bad day and I self soothed by singing this piece to myself. Um, this is a piece I sing to my children at bedtime. Like those are, those are the pieces of feedback that mean that the, piece was integrated into their life. Um, and that's, that's my goal to, to have that journey throughout the entire program. Um, but to make sure that the music isn't there just because it fits within the program too, that it, that it can live on its own. Um, and it's, it's a skill It's something that I, have been very lucky to work with really great programmers. Um, and it also takes a lot of, a lot of listening, I think, to the, to the singers to see what is working and what isn't working. It's, it's funny in my own like programming head, I am more and more leaning into a conversation like, who is this for? Yeah. And I, I, whether it's like, whether it's the best answer for uh, like my employers, uh, <laughs> it's increasingly less for external like purposes. I completely agree. And it's funny, like so this, this festival is is a good case point for that. There are public concerts, mm-hmm. sure. It is largely for the people who are here. It's for each other. It really is only for the people who are here. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to have these conversations about repertoire, like funding structures, uh, querying, like kind of the the way that we do things. And for me, that's increasingly less to do with an audience. It's increasingly less to do with public performance. The very act of just doing it together mm-hmm. and finding that repertoire together and finding that performance together for ourselves mm-hmm. is more interesting more and more to me. Um, but maybe, like, th- this is, again, like, a good example of that, that this space, this festival, is largely just for people to come sing together. And that is it. That's the thing. That's what we're doing. It is. This is not a conference where we have tons and tons of... Um, professional development sessions, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are, there's the queer songbook orchestra is coming, doing some sessions, doing a concert, you know, there's some wellness sessions, yoga, lots of social stuff. And, and that's it. Mm-hmm. It's the, there's big choirs from big cities here, but there's also small groups mm-hmm. and, and this is what, you know, it's, it's for them. It's for them to know that, um, they're not alone. All the hard work they're doing, um, we see it. We live it too. It's worth it. Um, I I was in a a roundtable this afternoon where it was noted like there are hard times coming for 
all of us, just what's happening south of the border that's not just going to stay south of the border. It's already here in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is an opportunity for us to um, help. We, we already are resilient, but to um, kind of sharpen the, the swords and strengthen the armor and remember that we are not alone, that we have community, family, friends, however you want to call it, all across the country, all working there together, being there together. Um, there's just so much, so much power in that. Um, both, I mean, even if this wasn't specifically for queer choirs, any choral conference, there still is that feeling. And so when you put that other layer of queer identity on top, it's a very powerful thing. Which uh, like reminds me of uh, our like first sentiment that we were talking about about let's say forty ish, but like you know, yeah. you pick any you amount of pick years ago. <laughs> yeah. Like we we have we had really queer exclusive, queer centered, really separate spaces because we were forced to because mm-hmm. we, we didn't have this opportunity to live in the quote unquote like normal world. Yeah. But Somewhere along the line, when we uh, stopped having uh, queer bars, gay bars, uh, I think there's, uh, because I work and talk about Montreal so much, like there's one <laughs> lesbian bar left. Yeah. Uh, like, there is a loss of that protection in that as well. And I'm, I'm this just completely speculative, but like, I wonder if, because as, as you were quite right, like it is coming for us too. Canada, mm-hmm. as it's coming for everybody. Um, if we go back to a more queer-centered, take-care-of-our-own type mm. structure, I wonder if that's where our strength will kind of be refound. And it, and it doesn't have to look like queer bars necessarily. It can look like queer, you know, song festivals. Intentionally queer spaces. Intentionally queer spaces. Yeah. And I I think about this a lot too. Um, Like commercialization of drag is such a Mm. great example. Love me some RuPaul. Sure. But do I feel weird when I'm talking to my straight cis friends and they're like, yes, queen, Mm. let's talk about this last night's episode. And it's like, I, on one hand, fabulous. On another hand, it feels like someone is stepping into my sacred space and they think they understand and they have every right to enjoy drag race or go to the pride parades and like, wonderful. So glad. Um, and there's something a little bit different in all of us that we can all celebrate together. Great. But my queer identity is more than just my ability to be married to my wife. It's, Mm -hmm. it's more than, um, you know, being the conductor of a queer choir. It, It truly is a sacred piece of my identity that straight cis people will never understand. And I will always feel a little guarded, even if I've known them my entire life. Um, and so there, there just is something about these intentionally queer spaces 
that you just kind of let your guard down and um, there's still personality politics mm-hmm. that, that come into it for sure. Everyone's human, everyone's different, mm-hmm. but um, I don't have to, I don't have to wait for their, those moments. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to wait for, for the yes queen moments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very interesting. I mean, I, I will be genuinely very interested to look back where we kind of arrive mm-hmm. in the next 10 years and at what, what these spaces, organizations, communities, however you want to, or however broad or not broad, what, what we kind of end up with. Um, it will be very interesting to mm-hmm. me. But I think, you know, it's, it's through hard work. It's through uh, intentionality. Mm-hmm. It's through uh, like a lot of gumption that we're going to get to the next thing. Yeah. Um, but I do. I mean, I, I again, I live in these spaces, and so I'm like, I'm lucky enough to. It's nothing new to me, right. which is beautiful. But like yeah. every time I come and watch, like your rehearsal, anybody's rehearsal, yeah. I get to do my own queer rehearsals. Yeah. It feels so comfortable and lovely yeah and i don't have a way to like express that to non-queer people exactly exactly and that's the important thing yeah yeah i get teary sorry every time (laughs) but but it's but it's because it's so important because i can walk in this is i is not my choir this is not my group of people i i know one human in Mm -hmm. this group But I immediately feel comfy. Yeah. And they don't bat an eye. No, exactly. Yeah. And that's a really powerful thing. Hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I know you have My to run to your... My pleasure. I, 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 I cost people during a conference is the worst possible thing. It's okay. <laughs> you have to run to 800 other things. But thank you very much for, for talking uh, today. And... Um, and for letting me sit in your rehearsal and, and listen, and we're going to listen to uh, some pieces on Monday as well from your your choir. Fabulous! But thank you very much. Thanks, Jacob. We're going to listen to now a couple pieces from the final concert of the the festival, and there are three choirs, as I've been saying, uh, that convened at the festival and they're made up from people from a whole bunch of different choirs from all across Canada uh, and they make up a high voice SSAA soprano soprano alto alto a mixed voice tenor alto uh, bass soprano so it's a, a backwards way of saying it soprano alto tenor bass SATB and then they make up a low voice choir TTBB and each one of these choirs met over the week uh, of the festival and had rehearsals and prepared four or five songs, as well as three new commissions that Deirdre talked about briefly in our uh, chat. And they were pieces about the uh, purge that happened in uh, Canadian civil service um, not that long ago when the uh, government published lists of people uh, who were serving in the military, who were government workers, who were provincial workers, uh, civil servants who were gay, um, and removed them from their jobs, obviously quite unceremoniously and uh, traumatically. And so there were three new commissions, uh, one for each of the festival choirs uh, that sang about uh, 
the trauma and the recovery of the, the purge by the Canadian government of queer people working in the civil service. Uh, we won't listen to those. Those are um, pieces that I encourage you to go listen to. Uh, they'll be recorded and published later. But these pieces uh, that we're listening to in a moment are uh, other pieces that the three choirs sang uh, as part of their larger repertoire. And it was a, a lovely two-hour concert. Uh, and these are just little snippets of a couple pieces, but I hope you enjoy.
So thank you for joining us uh, on this month's podcast from the Unison Song Festival here uh, in Halifax, Nova Scotia, which is the uh, quadrennial, I suppose, every four years, uh, queer choir festival that happens. Uh, the next one will be in four years in Vancouver, BC, British Columbia on the west coast of Canada. Uh, and I sincerely hope I get to go to that one as well. Uh, it's a lovely experience to see uh, 1,500 uh, queer people in one space, in one conference center, all singing, all uh, there for one musical purpose, and it felt very uh, safe and affirming and um, kind and wonderful, and it was such a lovely week. Uh, and I'm glad we got to chat with Deirdre, and I'm glad you got to listen to some of the pieces. But thank you for listening to the Classical Queer Podcast, and we'll see you next month. So that's all for this episode. You've been listening to the Classical Queer Podcast and Jake and I look forward to being with you next month. The incidental music is courtesy of Jared Miller and the show was produced by Samantha Jane.